I said I was going to change that music, and I, it's obvious that I didn't change that music. I'm glad you didn't. You like that one? I love it. It's a smooth jam. Well, hi. Uh, my name's Keith Knight. Uh, this is the In Context Podcast. Uh, we are broadcasting from a little office here at Stonebridge Church in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, southwest side of Cedar Rapids. Um, looking like it's spring-ish outside, uh, which is so exciting to me. If you... When you live in Iowa, sometimes you just never know when spring's coming, right, mm-hmm. yeah. Steve? It uh, Jan- starts in January, actually. Does it? Yeah, spring with, does? With tornadoes and warm weather. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it goes back and forth. Yeah. We don't really have, I don't think we really have a winter or a spring. We kind of have a combination of both. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, it's <laughs> weather fluid, Yes, if you will. Whoa. It's a great lead-in. <laughs> it is a great. It's probably a terrible lead-in, actually. Yeah, um we have been. Uh, we're going to jump right into the topic today. We this is uh, this past weekend was our last sermon in a series that we call "Strangers and Exiles." And uh, Brandon Leveringer, our lead pastor here, he uh, took each one of those. And this past weekend was the gospel and gender. And you know, I, Steve, I t- I turned to my wife halfway through the sermon and just said. I think this is the best. This is the best treatment of um, gender in a gospel manner that I've heard in person. Um, I was just really pleased with um, how Brandon actually used each point of, uh, you know, looking into gender and stuff to illuminate the gospel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I was, I was really happy with that. If, I feel like it was. If you if you've not if you're listening and you have not listened to that, you can also find. Um, our sermons from Stonebridge on the same uh, platforms that you would find the podcast. So um, we would encourage you to go uh, watch or listen to that. It's on YouTube, also on um, Apple, um, Spotify as well. So if you haven't had a chance to listen to that, um, I would encourage you to do that. Um, but today we're going to take a little bit deeper dive into um, what uh, what Brandon was preaching on this weekend. And I think it is it's good for us to start with actually acknowledging, as we we talked about a little bit off air, this is a really uncomfortable topic for everybody, I think, right? Mm -hmm. I don't know Mm -hmm. if it's because the advent of it seems to have come on so quickly um, or just the nature of how much we uh, may not feel like we uh, know as much as we should on the topic, but um, Talking about gender now is, is very uncomfortable. It feels like uh, anytime you're trying to process it, you're always kind of second guessing. What should you say? Like what, you know, what am I sure of? What biblical like approach am I going to take to this? If I'm talking with someone who's on the opposite end of this, mm-hmm. um, why, why do you think, like, why do you think it's such an uncomfortable topic for us? Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know. I, I think as I was reflecting la yet or this week on talking to students. By the way, th- I'm Steve uh, Duffy, one of the pastors here too, and yep. we're actually flying solo today. So yeah, duet. Yeah, right. Duo. This will be interesting. This um, will be interesting. Yeah, it'll be fun. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think I was even. I so I, I share with students um, traditionally, traditionally in quotes uh, on Wednesday night when I share with students. So I'll start out with a little bit of a, my own story related yeah. to the topic. And I always say, you know, back in the 1900s. <laughs> so when I was a kid, make it sound like, you know, ages ago. And then oh. I'll share something, you know, that's, that's, and for related to the topic of gender, it was, you know, when was my first experience with this whole area? Mm. Like when did I first see here or something? 
and uh, so I, I brought it. It was actually through music, and so I brought up uh, a Village People Culture Club. Um, oh, as, Culture <laughs> Club! Oh man! Yeah. So I. Oh um, man! And, and by the way, last yeah. night I combined homosexuality and gender because we 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 didn't meet last week. So I tried to yeah, package right. that together in some way. But so I would say totally in either of those categories. That's where. And 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 uh, back in the day, as we say, I w- it was easy, and even I would say easy through the two thousands to um, acknowledge the presence mm-hmm. of the topic, mm-hmm. um, but do so from afar. Sure. It wasn't really on my front lawn, so to speak. Right. Um, I now think it's, it's on everybody's front. Yeah, lawn. and I think part of the discomfort number one is how fast it's. Uh, if we could use keep using the analogy, how fast it's stepped into our lawn, so to speak. So right. we we can no longer uh, acknowledge it from afar. But right. I think about things like what are happening in at least in our area, mm-hmm. school district, Linmar School, mm-hmm. um, and a policy they passed uh, almost a year ago. Um, I think about walkouts that happened yesterday in mm-hmm. our state uh, to protest legislation that's going through the state of Iowa mm-hmm. on. Um, trying to reverse this cultural tidal wave on, right. uh, on affirming, uh, on gender affirming care and, uh, and, and taking parents on a loop. But I, I, it, it's also moving so fast. That brings about an element of discomfort. The other thing that brings about an element of discomfort is just the topic in itself. Yeah. And I was sharing earlier that um, with you, Keith, that uh, for me personally, um, the, uh, there's, there's this, strange discomfort about this specific area of um of sinfulness as it manifests itself that is it's worth reflecting on in other words i can't imagine myself in having um, same-sex attraction or even questioning maleness or femaleness um and there's an uncomfortableness in thinking about that and then being next to somebody in that and that's worth thinking about i think Mm -hmm. i think the part that's again uh, uncomfortable for that is um, is just due to my own uh, handling of, of sin and the idea because I'm so disconnected from that type of struggle that mm-hmm. I um, I maximize the uh, maybe distastefulness of that mm-hmm. while at the same time minimizing my own sin, the things mm-hmm. that I can relate to such as lustful thinking right. and other stuff like that. So I think there's a discomfort that surfaces that reveals something in us that's important, but also just how fast it's coming mm-hmm. our way. Yeah, yeah and I, I agree with that. I think there's also that tension, and there is this tension between the understanding that human beings are sinful, but also that human beings are most definitely made in the image of God. And it is very difficult, even for Christians, it is seemingly more difficult now to balance those two things, like to mm-hmm. to be both offended, you know, I say offended at sin, but we're offended at more at certain sins more than we are at other sins. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, yeah. that like what you just mentioned, like there there's a sense in which I'm fine with my own sins. Mm-hmm. I'm not fine with the ones that are really gross or really weird. Mm-hmm. That is, yeah. And yeah. when I say really gross or really weird, if we're being honest about how many people react to those, that's what we would say. Mm-hmm. Tied up in that too, though, is like there's different levels or different progressions of sin. You know, some of these, it, you've got the difference between, you know, same-sex attraction or just sexual deviancy, mm-hmm. right? Because yeah. those things yeah. are not the same. Like when yeah. we talked about homosexuality, you can talk about same-sex attraction, but the other thing that's happening right now are like, you know, thruples where there are three people involved in a relationship mm-hmm. or yeah. poly, uh, poly, uh, 
polyamorous relationships mm-hmm. where they bitch. That's not that's not a, a sinful struggle. That is a sinful given. That's mm-hmm. sexual deviancy. Yeah, yeah. In the same way with like when we talk about trans stuff, we'll get into it in a little bit. When we talk about gender stuff, um, the drag queen shows. That's not like that's not a struggle with gender dysfor- mm-hmm. dysphoria. That is autogynephilia, which mm-hmm. is a, a grown man dressing up like a woman in order to feel some sort of sexual excitement. Mm-hmm. That is sexual yeah. deviancy. It's not the same as like, I'm struggling with sin. Yeah, It's yeah. different. And so because those things are so closely tied together and wrapped up in one another, I think it becomes increasingly more difficult for us as Christians to actually find out where that line is between um, compassion and just, you know, green lighting everything that comes across mm-hmm. the desk as, oh, well, this is just a dysphoria or this is just a struggle. Yeah, yeah. It's It's way more complicated than that. So I, I think there's a couple there's a couple of books that Brandon referenced in, the, in his sermon that I'm going to use some information from both of those um, to kind of help us walk through, you know, what might be a good response, both in addressing the problem first and then talking about, you know, how does the church get it wrong? In what ways do we feed into some of the problems? And then how do we how do we process this through a gospel framework? Like what? Um, and then a little bit of practical too. So if, if you're listening, you've got kids. I, maybe at the end we talk a little bit about uh, practically how do we not just tell our kids, "Hey, be nice and be kind and share the gospel," but how do we actually help them prepare for this kind of onslaught that's more coming for them than it is for for us? So mm-hmm. yeah. I, I just want to start with this. So one of the books that Brandon had referenced was a, a book by someone who's not not a Christian. It's not a Christian book, uh, but it's called Irreversible Damage. It's a book by an author named Abigail Schreier um, who wrote basically from the perspective of sp- specifically for young girls that there were these groups of young girls that were all seemingly having gender dysphoria at the same time and uh, ones who were connected to one another who ended up you know going through transitioning medical transitioning but in in the same circles and and how this is unheard of before a certain period of time in fact mm-hmm. one of the statements she makes in the book is before 2012 in fact there was no scientific literature on girls ages 11 to 21 ever having developed gender dysphoria at all mm-hmm. Uh, prior to 2012, almost all of the clinical study had to do with men hmm. um, experiencing gender dysphoria. And um, that I think that's kind of understandable. Sometimes you get, you know, um, I, anecdotally, I know of kids who are a little bit more, fem- like boys who are a little bit more feminine, mm-hmm. right? Um, when, when they're younger or maybe they want to put on their mom's high heels or, you know, and some of that is just experimentation and Mm -hmm. just figuring stuff out and and harmless. But like anymore, if you have a son and your son is like, I want to wear that dress, like you panic, Mm -hmm. you know, there's, there's Mm -hmm. a sense of panic for a lot of parents. It's Mm -hmm. like, Oh no. Um, and on the other side, now you get this, if, if a little boy's like, Hey, I want to play with a Barbie doll. If the parents are super progressive, they might be like, well, let's go talk to a professional about whether Mm -hmm. or not. You know, he actually is a These girl. Signs, or, right, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. But and so, like, part of this advent of all this, uh, this gender, even a lot of the what we what passes as gender dysphoria, Schreier talks about. It's it's just as much social contagion, in many cases, as it is um, a disorder that these kids are experiencing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's that's important. And it is important also to draw those distinctions that there is a thing called autogynephilia. That's primarily like when, again, when we think of drag Queens, that's what we're primarily talking about. Mm -hmm. Those, those men, right. And all these 
the drag shows, they they get excited when people watch them dress up like a woman mm-hmm. and and they perform. Yeah. I mean, that's, um, and in in many cases, it's not men who've transitioned. In many cases, it's men that are just putting on prosthetics in order to make themselves look mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. like women. Um, that's a completely different thing yeah, than yeah. gender dysphoria. Uh, gender dysphoria has been categorized, like in clinical psycho- uh, psychology literature, as a disorder. Mm-hmm. Right? It's it's not something that is considered to be normative or just available. Yeah, it is yeah. it in the same way that anorexia or bulimia or um, any other sort of like um, disorder that would cause you to see yourself as something that you're not. Mm. That's the way that it's primarily before a few years ago was categorized, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, and but those things don't actually even go away after transitioning. You know, a lot of the a lot of the literature and studies would show that the the suicide rates don't go down, and mm-hmm. in fact they go up after transitioning because there there are so many complications um, with the surgeries in in many cases, but also what we see is that the core problem with there doesn't just get fixed by trying to change your anatomy. Yeah. Right. That's the most, yeah. And that's just true. I mean, you just think of all of life, you know, we don't deal, um, we don't deal rightly, I would say biblically with any situation in life by right. adjusting circumstance right. or the other people involved, you know, like that's all sort of external. Not, yes. that, not that those things wouldn't be a part of the picture. Right. But they definitely don't solve because, you know, just like uh, maybe the saying goes, hey, I think I'll move out of state uh, to make a big change. Like, well, yeah. guess what? You take you with you. <laughs> so yeah. that you're right. Yeah. The whatever the underlying and Jordan and Jordan Peterson does that well in this mm-hmm. other uh, video interview of a of a girl who transitioned and now is detransitioning mm-hmm. um, where he makes it real clear. There's a thousand other things that we should have done with you prior to and prior to having life altering surgeries and giving life altering uh, uh, you know medications hormone blockers etc right, right. Um, meaning there's there's a thousand questions to ask about yeah. how did you get to where you were at 9 at 10 11 12 years old right that um, likely contributed to you know the dysphoria that developed um, so yeah that's and that's really important like to to continually point to the fact that we're not dealing with a number of people who are over the age of 18 who are now discovering these things what we're dealing with primarily is people who are discovering it when they're very young or seemingly discovering it when they're very young mm-hmm. right yeah and an, another one of the things that um uh that Abigail Schreier says, you know, here's one quote from her book. America has become fertile ground for this mass enthusiasm for reasons that have everything to do with our cultural frailty. Parents are undermined. Experts are over relied upon. Dissenters in science and medicine are intimidated. Free spree, free speech buckles under renewed attack. You know, government healthcare laws harbor hidden consequences and an intersectional era has arisen in which the desire to escape a dominant identity encourages individuals to take cover in victim groups. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's, yeah. that's, that's a really important distinction, but she follows that up with some, and th- this is a long list of um, statistics, but I do think it, it's going to be helpful for us because if you're listening to this podcast, um, the point of the podcast, and we're going to get there in a little bit, is to apply the gospel to this. Mm-hmm. But I do think it's important to cast the whole um, view of this. This is not, this is not just something that's like, oh, it's harmless and it will pass. This is something that is definitively, if you watch how it's progressed, even within the last few years, 
it it really does seem orchestrated. Now, whether or not it's orchestrated, you know, uh, spiritually, you know, the prince of the power of the air and the and and you know, deception and, and such mm-hmm. things, or if it's just a lot of people who have fallen into this social contagion, um, we do need to address. Statistics do help in this because it helps us get a clearer picture of what we're actually dealing mm-hmm. with. What's the reality? Yeah. Yep. So for for some of these um, uh, these kids who have expended exp- experienced dysphoria. Uh, in the study that that Schreier um, uh, looks at, over 80% of the adolescents were natal females with a mean age of 16 uh, and a half years. Most were living at home with parents at the time of their transgender announcement. The vast majority had zero indicators of childhood gender dysphoria, in addition to universally failing to meet the six criteria requirement for child onset gender dysphoria. So they'd never had a sign of it mm-hmm. before. Almost a third of the adolescents did not seem at all gender, gender dysphoric, according to parents, prior to the adolescence announcement of being trans. A majority had one or more psychiatric diagnoses, and almost half were engaging in self-harm prior to the onset of the gender dysphoria. Mm-hmm. 41% had expressed a non-heterosexual sexual orientation before identifying as transgender. Nearly half had been, or 47.4%, had been formally assessed as academically gifted. Nearly 70% of the teenagers belonged to a peer group which had at least one friend had also come out as transgender. In some groups, the majority of the friends had done so. Over 65% of teens had increased their social media use and time spent online immediately prior to their announcement of transgender identity. Among parents who knew their children's social status, over 60% said the announcement brought a popularity boost. Over 90% of the parents surveyed were white. More than 70% of the parents had earned bachelor's or graduate degrees. Over 85% of parents um, reported supporting the right of gay couples to marry. Over 88% of parents uh, surveyed reported being supportive of transgender rights. Now, this is to cast the idea that this is, with none of these kids experiencing childhood and gender dysphoria, that this happened in the context of socialization and an age of social media mm-hmm. and identifying with uh, a group that is marginalized and getting a popularity boost because of it, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's important. Yeah. I think that it's important that right now the, the discussion on gender is not just about biological realities. It's also about social influences, yeah. right? Yeah. And so, yeah. I, th- I mean, one of the questions is... Um, like what to to what degree would would we understand or be willing to say that like um this is and this is not going to be a podcast on the the ills of social media but mm-hmm. to what degree does social media influence the decisions of you know adolescents when it comes to identity i mean mm-hmm. both of us have worked in youth ministry mm-hmm. for for years mm-hmm. right so when you, when you think about the current uh, cultural moment how much do you think that that interconnectedness and that boost that you get from from social media and, and and widespread interaction? How much do you think that has to do with things like identity and and specifically sin? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. It's hard. To, it's hard to put a number, but it, it's. Um, I think to ignore it would be uh, no doubt. To ignore the influence would be uh, yeah would would just be careless. Yeah. Um, uh, also on the other side of that to make it the silver bullet like the the evil of all evils and it's the right. sole influencer I mean obviously yeah, we don't not. do that um, but we do need to uh, yeah I think uh, I think to to 
hold that intention while yeah. uh, while acknowledging this um, and probably take it you know almost case by case in situations to be able to to be able to assess you know how much influence does it really have yeah. with specific students because some you know uh, as you noted uh, it was it's very interesting fact that groups of students actually were headed in the same direction at the same time yeah uh, right. that's very fat that's actually quite fascinating it just highlights the the element of not just the social media influence mm-hmm. but then the peer to peer influence with yeah. that so they're kind of like tag there's a tag team situation going on there so it's not ever one likely not every ever or rarely one student seeing something and then all of a sudden they're off on their own adventure right. there's <laughs> there's a communal element right. to that um so yeah i, I um I'm not sure if I fully gra- um, answered your question, but I think we no. have to, that has to stay in the forefront of our radar as we talk about now how to engage. Yeah. Uh, and part of the yeah. engagement may be for, for people, for, for parents, for youth workers, for others that have interest in young people's life is to help young people, know, help young people to wisely navigate the use of social media in such yeah. a way that it sets them up long-term for... I'd say, you know, like healthiness right. in its use as their adults. Right. So how do we, uh, along with everything else in life, how do we come alongside of them versus just giving them a phone and saying, have at it. Yeah. You'll figure it out. Yeah. You know, you'll figure out how to swim. We'll throw you overboard, that kind of stuff. Um, no, it, we want yeah. there's this, um, maybe equate it to back in our day, like <laughs> back in the 1900s. Back in my day. So yeah, in the 1900s, it'd be like you know, in the 70s. when I got my when I got my driver's license or whatever, you yeah. know, those were big deals. Right, I mean, that right. was like the it's not that it's not a rite of passage, but I don't even fathom students these days that wait till they're 18 to get their license. I'm like, that just was not me. Oh, I was like yeah. 14. I well, want my permit. That's 16, me want, too. My know. our kids are not the same. <laughs> but the, yeah. my my point being. That was a big deal, right. and parents, uh, by and large, were extremely hesitant to, uh, and they still are. But but there was a lot of hesitation because that's a big deal right. in my world then right. uh, to give responsibility to get to let the, turn over the keys. I think I don't know that I don't know that phone I don't know that technology use is held always to that same level of maybe urgency or weightiness possibly. So it's no, this it's idea not. that it, it, it may start out that way, mm-hmm. but as there's a comfortableness with handing a phone to a young person, right. all of a sudden, um, if, if you don't have the guardrails in place, um, they're opening themselves up to a, a, a very vast world yeah. at their fingertips. And, uh, yeah, so we have to know that the influence, you know, it's like if they go to the mall of America like you just say, let them in through the front door. And there's, I mean, there's a billion stores there and a oh, billion yeah, people <laughs> and basically saying, Hey, walk around and just listen and observe and, and part and engage right. everybody at the mall of America. Right, that's right. kind of, I yeah, mean, that's just such a small comparison, but that's kind of what we're doing with the phone. Yeah. Listen to all the voices. Um, but we need those guardrails. And it, yeah. so if, if we don't have them, we fall into, we, you know, young people then, um, fall into that category of like you know in proverbs the the voice of folly and so the voice speaks loudly um so yeah certainly i'm i can't imagine it's not a significant influence and contributor to to wooing students or young people and all people really in a certain direction uh especially on this topic yeah i kind of i kind of i i just swam all the way around your question hopefully i did no i mean i think i think that's an important part of it i think there's also the the understanding too that like and and you know christians need to own this as well that like again both of us having spent many years in youth ministry i love youth ministry i do 
Um, I don't like the way that, that in historically, you know, over the last few decades, the church has consigned students over to other students. Mm. You know, you've got a couple leaders over them who are going to fix these kids and teach them the right way. Mm-hmm. But when these kids spend most of their time in peer groups and, and you really don't know the specifics of what these peer groups are talking about or leaning into or mm-hmm. what kind of ideations they have together, mm-hmm. there is this weird mob mentality thing that happens even with the best students. I've sure. always said it's lowest common denominator. Mm-hmm. Like if you get a group of kids together and you've got two kids that are just raring to cause trouble, mm-hmm. it's not going to take long for mm-hmm. that whole group to fall into chaos. Yeah, because true. even if you're not in on it, sometimes it is funny. And sometimes that disruptiveness, that disruption of the group, you'll get the the self-righteous ones who will refuse to participate and they'll be above the fray and they'll just walk away from the thing or like tattle on these other students. But what I've mostly seen is the temperature of, you know, the either the hottest students in the room, if you've got a, gr- a core group of kids that is really serious about uh, Jesus and really serious about scripture, then they have the opportunity to bring some other students along. But if you have, if you have some students that are not in that space, it does not take long for the whole thing to devolve. And, and the healthiest way, even from a biblical perspective of helping adolescents grow is kind of the tightest model. Like Mm -hmm. you have older Mm -hmm. women teaching the younger women, the, the things that younger women need to know. You have older men teaching the younger men, things that men need to know. And it's not like, we're never, I mean, at this point, I don't know that we're ever going to get a, a, away from adolescent peer groups, but we as parents and, and as church leaders have to do better in not just assuming, oh, they'll be fine. Mm-hmm. They won't be fine. Mm-hmm. They won't be fine on their own. Yeah. Like they need, they need um, teaching, they need guidance. And if we just set them free on the inter- internet or set them free in their peer groups, we should not be surprised when they come back with some level of social contagion. Um, be it faith, be it like, you know, sexuality mm-hmm. or or any of those things. I just don't, I, I think it's silly to think. And now that with the, with the gender thing, now you even have some of the adult mentors in their lives who are pushing that. Like many schools now, uh, they don't, teachers don't have to report to parents whether mm-hmm. or not a child is experiencing gender dysphoria or moving in that direction. Yeah. Even up to and including the point of tr- medical transitioning. Mm-hmm. Like I know uh, you can be 13 years old now, Gavin Newsom, uh, who is just a, terrible terrible example of what a government official should be you know um signed into you know signed a bill that you could be 13 years old and and undergo medical transitioning without the without parental consent Mm -hmm. yeah as a parent that infuriates me yeah right yeah so now now the the adults who even should have been taking care of these kids are, are just so pressured by this social contagion and this building wave of, um, hey, conform or you will be canceled. Yeah. You know, and it goes even goes back to the first topic that Brandon was talking about in cancel culture. Mm. Like, um, I think it's uncomfortable. We get back to the uncomfortable. We're just afraid. We're, we're afraid to step in there mm-hmm. and, and put the boundaries back on. It almost feels like it's, it's too far out. Like yeah. we opened the gates too wide and, and now we've got to corral everybody back in and it seems like an insurmountable thing. Yeah. 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 Um, mm-hmm. but you know, kids are, kids are pushed into deciding what gender they want to be mm-hmm. before they even understand sexual development. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. An eight year old, unless they are acted upon on by the outside to think deeply about sexual development, they are not thinking of their gender. Mm-hmm. Yeah. None of them. With, yep. it, unless a unless a grown up is stepping in and saying like what do you feel like you are mm, mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. and again that's another thing that that Schreier uh, points to um, 
Uh, even saying this, two patterns stood out, and again from another um, one of those studies. First, the clear majority, 65% of the adolescent girls who had discovered transgender identity in adolescence out of the blue had done so after a period of prolonged social media immersion. Second, the prevalence of transgender identification with within some of the girls' friend groups was more than 70 times the expected rate. Mm-hmm. Right, and, and again to say, um, and we know this, by both having daughters and seeing it like girls are pack animals, mm. <laughs> you know, the, the temperature, the, the temperature of that girl group, mm. um, they kind of build and feed off of one another. Mm-hmm. You know, they get excited for each other. They cry with one another more, more so than guys do. And so what, what primarily, so Schreier's thing is how do we know that something is going on that is not natural? Mm. It's because predominantly this problem had only occurred um, the majority was men. Um, and now all of a sudden you've got a ton of females, like the percentage of females has skyrocketed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's not, and it's not just a, uh, a, a gradual shift. It was a, you oh, know, no, a, 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 a clear, yeah, it just like blows right up. Turn. Yeah. Right. It's like somebody dropped a bomb. Mm-hmm. Um, now she, we can get to this a little bit later when we've got some practical tips. She actually traces it back to like 2007 mm-hmm. and the iPhone and mm-hmm. the actually the interconnectivity. Um, we'll get to that a little bit um, here a little bit later, but mm-hmm. now that we've sort of cast like, you know, this is, this is where we are. Here's kind of the, the, uh, the scheme of things. We really do need to look at scripture. Like scripture actually gives us a balanced understanding. If, if we read it correctly, right? If we, if we pay attention to scripture, it gives us a balanced understanding of how to handle gender, like what is true, what is not true. And, and also how to apply the gospel to these things. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, so there's another book called God and the Transgender Debate by Andrew Walker, and it's a wonderful book. I would recommend, I just read a portion of it um, to our kids um, the other night. I would recommend parents that, uh, if you're listening, that you would pick up a copy of the book, uh, read it, and all and walk through, if you, especially if you had teenagers or, or elementary school kids, that you would walk through that book with them. I, I do think it's that helpful. But one of the verses he uses uh, in the book is Psalm 24, verses 1 and 2. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. So the first, the first place that we come to in Scripture is that God is the creator of all things. Mm-hmm. So God is the one who gets to decide. Like, God is sovereign over these things. Like, we don't get to decide why we were made for what purpose we mm-hmm. were made like yeah. only god gets that because we he he owns us we belong to him yeah. we don't belong to ourselves so the first place that we find scripture addressing like even this idea of gender gender dysphoria is that it's not as simple as just saying like i am my own mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. as brandon has mentioned multiple times yeah, yeah you don't belong to yourself you belong to god mm-hmm. right and so the farther we move away from that reality, the farther we move away from Genesis chapter one, mm. um, the closer we're going to get towards like really massive errors that are going to like uh, impact not just us individually, but us as a society. Yeah. yeah. You know, so maybe maybe we can take a minute to part of the uncomfortable part of this discussion is nobody even really knows how to speak about the difference between men and women anymore. Mm. Right. Well, what is a woman? What no, is a woman? Mind. Oh, yeah. And that's a great documentary. Again, like <laughs> I mean, you know, you're gonna uh, honestly uh, with with Steve and I flying solo this week, you're gonna get all of the uh, 
you're going to get all of the uh, probably the resources that are the most on the nose conservative resources. <laughs> so, um, but what is a woman is just a it is a um, it is a brilliantly done documentary just asking questions and basically letting the progressive ideations of gender cut their own legs off mm-hmm. right yeah just mm-hmm. asking the question like what is a woman but biblically we need to ask that que- we we need to be honest about that question right like yeah. what what does god say is a woman so in genesis chapter 1 god creates man and woman right god creates adam and eve and the interesting part to me right is that uh in the design, there's obviously a difference in the design, right? And then, but then also by the time we get to Genesis chapter three, there's always a, there's also a difference in the curse, right? Mm -hmm. So both in design and in curse, like men and women are not the same. God, Mm -hmm. in God's design, he purposed to reflect his image and his glory through the design of both male and female. Mm -hmm. And you only get a full understanding of what God's design uh, means in the context of humanity if you look at both of those mm-hmm. yeah. right yeah um one one of the things that uh that i that i was thinking of in this idea of trying to figure out you know this whole the difference between men and women is that women's achievement um, in the scope of god's plan actually means more than it does by cultural standards typically you know if we if if we look at the bible's teaching on uh, you know, gender. Um, this is where it gets into the debate of like things like egalitarian and complementarianism, mm-hmm. like, you know, what kind of roles are women to fulfill and what's the design? But the the reality is the biblical framework is the only framework that gives the appropriate dignity to both man and woman, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Gives dignity to human beings and specifically gives dignity to women and men. I mean, like even in the examples of how many women in scripture were extremely important in the coming of the Messiah, right? right that yeah. that were their faithfulness meant a lot, right? And the mm-hmm. des- the way that God designed them to function um, was important, you know, and 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 very much in line with their their own womanhood. Like one of the best stories I think of is Jael, who like uh, you know nails Barak's head to the floor <laughs> in the tent. Right, but but like he only like if that's a dude like hey come into the tent and have a drink of milk that's not happening right so there there is even something in that which seems trivial um, that that is extremely important right Um, there there is something in the design of male and female but if you look at the the current culture um, what's happening now and this is one of the things even like back in Schreier's book she um, references as well is basically the more amazing a woman is, the less she actually counts as a woman. Because if a woman does something um, that's special, then it's often attributed as gender non-conforming, right? Mm-hmm. If anything, if women are achieving things, what it has become is like, well, women can do all the things that men can do. And that then becomes the standard. But then it's like, well, where's the differentiation? Mm-hmm. Like, where's the... And, and you don't nearly hear as much like, well, men can do what women can do. Now... The reality is we can't, right? right? And yeah. in, in lies a lot of the, the, the crux of the gender debate is we've gotten to this fever-pitched point where feminism has, has just steamrolled to it's like, hey, women can do whatever men can do, mm-hmm. right? We can, anything you can do, I can do better, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. as the old song says. But, you know, men immediately know, we can't do anything women can do. Yeah. I can't have a baby. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well... 
maybe these days. Ma- I don't well, know. Yeah, I mean, hopefully you, not. Yeah. yeah, but even any of the no, any true. of the articles that you see where it's like man has a baby. That's a fo- that's a mm-hmm. woman. That's a biological woman who mm-hmm. has retained her biology, but maybe started taking hormones enough to get a mustache. Mm-hmm. But that's not a man. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. a woman. Yeah. You know, and 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 biology matters. Mm-hmm. But it is it is worthy of being said that like I th- I think the f- the the aggressive feminist movement really cut its own legs out from under it because now to be a woman doesn't actually celebrate womanhood mm-hmm. it it celebrates what again what what they would call gender nonconforming mm-hmm. but gender nonconforming is not helpful to the empowerment of women <laughs> no in fact it it's at the it's at the uh, center of the tension point now between. Um, women's movements and yeah. the LGBTQ uh, movement. Yeah, the right? TERF, the trans-exclusionary yeah. radical feminists mm-hmm. like J.K. Rowling. There you yeah. go. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah which is, which is like, it's like a storm now. Like, mm-hmm. now feminism really means nothing because if you're a feminist and you say, well, I'm, I'm offended that these biological men are, like, beating all of our best swimmers and, and racers, you know, and runners, like then you're a bigot mm-hmm. because you don't understand that really is a woman because that's how they feel mm-hmm. regardless of whether or not they, their frame is bigger, their muscle mass is denser yeah. and they're, they're naturally more athletic. You know, mm-hmm. they're like six inches taller. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. it, it's, but that's a real problem because like from culture will never give you a culture will never give you the view of gender that is reality mm. scripture will mm-hmm. culture won't yeah, yeah because what culture is always trying to do is elevate you know again elevate whatever group that that might seem to be oppressed at the moment mm. but to what end mm-hmm. right right and and that's the identity politics that's that's um getting mixed in with all of this is really almost becoming the driver it's not necessarily the health of the kids it's not necessarily what's good for society it's just you know power and the use of power to advance somebody's own philosophies mm-hmm. you know? oh, yeah yeah um yes but but scripture actually gives us if we go if we go to genesis 1 we see the beauty of God's design in male and female, right? Yeah. And yeah. then by the time we get to Genesis 3... The mess. The mess. Mm-hmm. But also the mess as it specifically applies to men and women. Yeah, that's right. So what's the... Yeah. So let maybe take a... Let's take a second to look at it. In, in Genesis chapter 3, what is the... how? What's the difference in the curse between men and women? Mm-hmm. So the, the curse for man is what? Yeah, you know... Work is hard. Your labor is going to be really be real sucky. <laughs> Amen know? to that. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The ground is going to work against mm-hmm. you. So primarily, I mean, the the address of the curse is actually in the category of what he's responsible for. Mm-hmm. So the things that you're responsible for, primarily the the reason for which you were created and designed, right? This, which in the creation there were two main reasons: be fruitful and multiply, and tend the garden. Mm-hmm. So now the tending the garden, the guy is going to really, that's going to be way harder than it should be. Yeah. Yeah. But then the curse as it applies to the brief, be fruitful and multiply is then applied to the woman. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> and that's going to be a pain too. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. Literally, yeah. literally mm-hmm. a pain. But, um, but in, in addition to that, it's yeah. the, uh, the element of, um, you know, the way it reads is your desire shall be contrary to your husband. <laughs> but he shall rule over you, and mm. too. So there's just there's just a an enmity between 
male and female now. Yeah, because that of didn't, sin. Yeah, because right. that did not exist. Uh, yeah. Right. Um, you know, th- one one of the things that's interesting too in the creation, and I think I think Walker touches on this, but how often we skip over that f- the uh, the statement that men and women, Adam and Eve, when they were in the garden and they were created before there was sin, they were naked and unashamed. Mm-hmm. So they weren't uncomfortable with their bodies Mm -hmm. and they weren't uncomfortable with each other's bodies, right? There was no discomfort. There was only like an an acceptance of the way that God had made them uniquely, right? So the, the ashamedness comes in when you know that something's wrong and you're looking at the other person and you see and highlight Mm -hmm. even the biological differences. Something about this is making me uncomfortable. And in that uncomfortability is, is sin has brought in that level of uncomfortability. Why are we afraid to talk about this? Mm-hmm. We're afraid to talk about this because we know that things are messed up. We yeah. know that things aren't, aren't the way that they're supposed to be. Um, which goes, it kind of flies in the face of what's happening now in this cultural moment, especially with gender and sexuality is people saying, this is the way that it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. All you Christians who are saying that mm-hmm. this is not right, you need to evolve past that old tired way of thinking you know, and even some people who would claim to be Christians are trying to rewrite what the Bible says about such things, mm-hmm. thinking that, no, those were just time-bound ideas yeah. that now we've grown past because now we really know what Jesus meant when he came here and, mm-hmm. and what he meant to do. But to lose that, um, to lose the biblical view is, is to lose the whole plot on where we're going. Mm-hmm. Like, what's the point of male and female? Why do we now live in a culture that not only celebrates, you know, transitioning a man from a woman or a woman to a man, but also celebrates, hey, have less kids. This is really not that important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the whole thing is upside down. Right, right. The whole thing. Yeah, everything from the uh, the dis- the push for sameness in male and female and the, the, the lack of biblical clarity, uh, even amongst Christians, on what is maleness, what is femaleness. Right. Well, let's talk about what, that. And, and between the two, what's what's u- what's uh, unique and what's the same, because there are distinctions. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, yeah. So yeah, all those, all, that category in itself, <laughs> I think we're we. It just dawned on me the other night or last night uh, talking about this that, um, that I should not. I should not assume that everybody's on the same page and everybody meaning Christians, Christians as we talk right. about this, uh, especially students, young people that were that uh, that we can leave the elementary teaching and move mm. on to something else that we <laughs> that in effect we have to go back to the elementary teaching, not because they're slow to hear or learn, mm-hmm. but more because the voice, the voices around them, again, social media, otherwise, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, just friends, th- even, they're yeah. just constantly, did God really say? Yeah. Uh, and, and that constant lie and delusion of yeah. changing these fundamental truths, even in just Genesis alone, about, mm-hmm. about uh, what image is uh, yeah. being made in God's image, what maleness and femaleness is, what our creation mandate is to be fruitful and multiply, mm-hmm. to take dominion over creation for mm-hmm. our benefit, for his glory. I mean, all these things are constantly be, being questioned. And so it just dawned on me last night that I have to go back and constantly um, re-articulate the, uh, the elementary things. Yeah. And also, and part of it's not just for our own people, our own tribe, so to speak. We have new people coming in sure. uh, in our yeah. culture who have not ever opened up a Bible. Right. And so we have to constantly come back to these things and we should anyway we, oh, yeah. we just should because uh i think every 
and what I did when I in talking about this recently, every practical application of this topic, whether homosexuality or the LGBTQ topic, transgender topic, I've stood on Genesis one twenty six to twenty eight and mm-hmm. said and uh, highlighted the actual application that's in front of people in Iowa today, and then said because uh, here's the conviction, because this is what Genesis says, this is what God has said. Yeah. Um, so anyway, just to highlight the need to camp on these fundamental truths, not to think that we've now we're able to move past them. No, we we stand on those yeah. in order to speak prophetically into the, the, the tidal waves that we're facing. Yeah. Uh, but the, but you are bringing up the, the sameness and uniqueness, maleness, yeah. maleness and femaleness. Yeah. Um, and you even mentioned before, we're even kind of shy away from talking about this sometimes because of all the, I don't know, the, uh, we're, I think we're afraid. Yeah. It's just, yeah. It's just that, and there's confusion and, and I don't yeah. know, to, and, and we're gonna, there are, uh, you know, a few different camps on some things, but I'm not, I didn't shy away from just saying, here's what I believe to be true and here's why. Um, yeah. so I don't think it's, I think it's fair to just mention a few things here. Um, sure. I mean, there's clearly in terms of uniqueness, I mean, think about the physical characteristics, think about, think about the biology and the science, right. you know, what's unique between male and female. I don't right. need to, we don't need to unpack that just simply acknowledging you know, what's visible, what's right before us, what's scientific, right. you know, in DNA and everything. Yeah. You know, so there's, so there's sameness is out the door even just if you stayed there. Well, you have um, to reject science to reject, to, to reject the difference between men and women. Yeah. You have to reject science. Yeah. Yeah. You have to. I think that's why, uh, like a Jordan Peterson and others who aren't even, yeah. who are, uh, not even Christian. Don't he have any dances Christian around. I just want him to jump in or <laughs> jump does. out. I just want him to I be think, like, look, trust in Jesus or yeah. don't man. <laughs> the guy's a, at least, a, I mean, he's, a, he's, he's, he's stepped into the category yeah. of deist, but, uh, right, right. and he's even affirmed the Ju- Judeo Christian ethic. Yeah. He sense. Is, so he it's is. Really I think he's close. I think he's closer now than he's ever been, but <laughs> yeah. man, I just, I love him so much. Yeah. I just want, I was to trying be. to, I did a little Googling trying to be like, okay, where's Jordan Peterson now? Cause I'm like, I'm just interested in like how, is, what's yeah. he thinking of anyway yeah um so yeah that's it and that's why folks uh in the secular space uh even that is enough to convince them this is just ludicrous this this whole area is just sure. unbelievably yeah. delusional because it's not taking science it's just totally uh, throwing it to the side right so and it's and it's yeah. not the same one of my biggest frustrations too we'll get like this is just a short blip out and then we'll jump back in one of my biggest frustrations is how the l the uh the lg gets lumped in with the t yeah like there is there is a definitive difference Mm -hmm. between somebody acknowledging their maleness or femaleness but then acknowledging that they have an attraction to the same sex and someone who does not believe that their their actual biological gender has any sort of corroboration with Mm -hmm. who they really are Yeah. yeah that that that's not the same category it should not be in the same it should not be even in the same group. Yeah, so those it, are two di- completely different things. It's kind of like uh, you know, it might just you know, this is probably a horrible biblical analogy. Was you know, why did it's like the uh, so the Canaanites got together with the Emirates, and they're all kind of like the all the ites are yeah. getting together to say the only way we're going to have any effect over uh, God's people and and the movement there of God's people is to join together. Yeah, to join fight. forces, right? And so they're completely different tribes, different people, yeah. um, worship different gods, yet they're joining together because they have a common. They have something in common. They yeah, have sure. an, They have something they want to push forward, and right, it's the same. Right. I, I think the same kind of thing here. It's just you're, they're all being lumped together into one large category. Sure. Even now, 
well, there's all kinds of different letters being added. But uh, the plus, you know, think about these people. There's the the, the ally folk who right. don't even probably have same-sex attraction or dysphoria, right. but yet they're sympathetic to the cause. Correct. Yep. So now you have another tribe of people that are being added to the mix. But again, it's all... A co- it's more of a collection to right. to advance a mission in a sense. But there's an acknowledgement, at least with the with same sex attraction, there's still an an acknowledgement of there's not a complete dismissal of the maleness or femaleness of of the biology that they're carrying. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So yeah, that's right. Um, and it's not again we want to we want to emphasize gender dysphoria is a thing, and it's not something that is just you can't just snap yourself out of it. You know, it's been studied. Um, and it's a struggle and gender dysphoria itself is not necessarily, it's not sinful to act on the feelings of the dysphoria. That is sinful because that's rejecting the design that God has placed over his creation. Right. So that's where we, that's where we move to and And we want to make that clear. Yeah. Yeah. And side note on that, there are a couple different camps. I haven't, I haven't personally spent time like, like diving into that, but just for awareness, uh, it is worth thinking through there are a few different camps on that yeah. whether or not the and depending on like uh, and especially in this area whether or not even the 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 desire uh, the desire yeah. itself yeah. yeah and i and i and there yeah. are a few yeah. different that's but good it, that's good it, to acknowledge yeah that. and that's that's a good it's good to be aware of that yeah so that you think through so that you're at least thinking through why do i agree or disagree with that right and um but just I, I, I don't I want to at least because that's come up a few times in the last week uh, on side discussions. Mm. And I, I at least want to acknowledge that. And not that yeah. I, I I'm still of the place that it's um, I think the distinction the, is whether or not you're leaning into it. Yeah. Right. If you're identifying yourself as that or you're leaning into it, then it's it's sinful at the degree that you are rejecting. You are you are leaning into a rejection of the way that God created you versus like, you know, because we all have moments where we are tempted to lie, Mm -hmm. you know, like especially if lying is your thing and you're tempted to lie. The temptation itself is not the sin because then Christ was tempted in every way yet without sin. Mm -hmm. So the temptation does not uh, necessitate the giving into the temptation. Yeah, Yeah. So the distinction I think that would be helpful to make is like in, in terms of gender dysphoria, if you are finding yourself at times uncomfortable with the body that you're in, that is not sinful. Mm-hmm. But to immediately cry out and say, this body that I'm in is the wrong one and I hate it, mm-hmm. that's when you're kind of leaning into um, the, the the precipice of like walking into the sin of just outright rejection of that. Yeah, I think yeah. that's that would be a helpful distinction. Yeah, yeah. And I think, and I, yeah, I think, and that's where I would land. Right. Uh, and I think that, I think that the, the, the other uh, sort of school of thought on the is, is that the the temptation itself is disordered from God's creation in a sense, and so there's this idea. But I'm not. I can't get there. Honestly, I can't get there with any I can't temptation. Get there from scripture, not, not even yeah. from any temptation for that matter. Because no, right. in, in a yeah. sense, every temptation by its design is a disorder from God's cre- right, cre- right. Yeah. creation. So I don't. I haven't. I just want to acknowledge that because I yeah, there was like a smart. there was like mm-hmm. a, a a a debate or discussion between Doug Wilson and another that Doug right. was, Doug was, did I get that right I think that's um and another you know very well respected uh, Christian people mm-hmm. that uh, have a different bent on and especially in this area so mm-hmm. it's just worth just noting it yeah. um yeah and so uh we were so we were talking about sameness and uniqueness and male maleness and femaleness mm-hmm. the other the other thing I would like to you know bring up is um. This idea that we have a 
we tend to in our minds and even in our conversation and probably the cultural wave, it blends together value of mm-hmm. a person, a value of a woman or value of a man right. with what they do. Correct. So in, in other words, it's a blending of value with roles and responsibilities. Right. And that no doubt is permeates our culture. Like sure. your value is in general tied or linked to your role or responsibility right now. Um, I wanted to, you know, in biblically in thinking about this, uh, you know, just again, Genesis 1, 27, 26 mm-hmm. and 27, mm-hmm. you know, value is inherent to all. So male and female have the equal value. And right. when you think about all in Christ, mm-hmm. uh, um, there's a value statement made that we're all one in Christ. Right. But there's also a distinction made. Male and female, Jew and Gentile don't disappear. Right. They remain. Right. Um, they have their place. There are distinctions, um, but yet there's this value statement that is separated from that. And so, mm. just, so there's sameness in value, distinction in role, responsibility. Mm. That's that's I think where we land there. Um, yeah, and that's so that's in that like maybe. So what we're leaning into now is that idea of like so when, what are some things that the church gets wrong on this when we talk when we talk about this. Part of what becomes unhelpful when Christians go to discuss this whole thing is we've we've leaned into those cultural categories mm-hmm. rather than biblical categories, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. In one way or the other. Now, you know, it's just me and you. So you and I are are like again. This is these are our our convictions and our thoughts and stuff. But you know, where I land on the maleness and femaleness is it. I I think it's a it's wrongheaded to think that there's a. Uh, this design of how every guy is supposed to like carry himself, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like uh, bearded, you know, strong, uh, like, you know what I mean? Like yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. just, this, there's, there's, there's a caricature yeah. of what it means to be a, a manly man. Yeah. Like a, yeah. a, a what a, biblical a, masculinity a really looks like. Right. And yeah, biblical sure. masculinity is, is more, it's character driven, mm-hmm. but it is also role driven. Mm-hmm. Like you do, yeah. like it, you are, men are called to, to protect, you know, the weak mm-hmm. men are called to, to stand up and sacrifice themselves for, um, not just for, for the glory of God, but for the, the good of God's people. Mm-hmm. Like, um, if you look at the qualifications for, uh, elders, you know, and, and in scripture, um, that is a male category. I mean, there's a, there's an idea in which God has designed that, the, you know, the curse is true. The work falls primarily, uh, the, the work that God gives to us as his creation falls primarily on the shoulders of the man. It's going to be really hard for you, mm-hmm. right? This is, this is what God has ascribed to us. Mm-hmm. Does not mean that women can't work. <laughs> it does not mean that there's not an equality in the value of the individuals, mm-hmm. Yeah. But we would be lying to people if we said that there weren't distinctions in the in the Bible. It's yeah. just the distinctions that we tend to make, we turn into a caricature, right? Yeah. And we would even, like, here's some of the ways this happens. You will find guys who aren't really leaders, but they look manly. They look manly or they act yeah. manly, but they're not really leading anyone. Mm-hmm. So all these guys who are still, like, they don't want to get married. They just want to date around. They don't want to lock themselves down to a woman, but they mm-hmm. want to be free, but they're a manly man. Mm-hmm. No, sir, you are not mm-hmm. a manly man. Yeah. Like, yeah. If, you, if you will not, if, you're, if your interests are in just kind of, you know, playing the dating game until you find the exact woman that you're looking for, you have no desire to work and settle down. You have no desire to, like, 
um, uh, mentor young men or contribute to the cause of Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. you are not biblically mm-hmm. <laughs> categorized yeah. as, as what we would say is, is good, solid, God glorifying manhood. Mm-hmm. Like it's more than that. You know, it's more yeah. than just, can you grow a beard and, um, you know, boss people around. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. In the, in the same way with, with femaleness, like there is, there's a, a def, definitive difference again, back to Titus. Like there are things that only the older women can teach the younger women. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Uh, there are only things that the older men can teach the younger men. And we need to keep those distinctions because it does help us. It keeps us from falling into the cultural distinctions of manhood and womanhood mm-hmm. that are not helpful. Yeah. Yeah. That are the caricatures that, that are not biblical. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But I do think, I do think that it doesn't help us as Christians. It does not help us to not be honest that the Bible does make distinctions both biologically and functionally. Yeah. In the design of men and women. Yeah. If we're not honest about that and we can't have that conversation be an ongoing thing, especially if you just took that conversation by itself, that's been under attack for some time. Sure. So if you just take that, if you, but if you can't keep that conversation going, uh, all the easier it is f- to uh, buy into and allow the now uh, the the idea of uh, sameness starting to take its shape or um, mm-hmm. being less of importance or value yeah, in right. the transgender context. It's it's all the easier for us to not even go there and have a conversation because we can't even define and talk about what maleness and femaleness, femaleness really is. For sure. Yeah. I think that, I think uh, that comes back to the Matt Walsh thing that does so revealing when you, when he asks that question of just can I, so many people, can I be six, five? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> well, uh, no. <laughs> yeah. We don't. Yeah. So we don't, yeah. We just don't want that mindset that, uh, um, maybe apathy hmm. toward having mm-hmm. understanding, having these conversations and having an understanding. Uh, we just don't want that to settle in that, that, that lands in the place of, uh, can I be six, five and, and, yeah. uh, of yeah. Asian descent when I'm standing right here and I'm a six foot white guy, like yeah. that just doesn't make any it doesn't sense. make sense. But the, but the bigger, I, th- I think that where, where we're going here is why are the distinctions important, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and again, we won't get into, we won't get into the egalitarian complementarianism discussion. We can, I, hopefully down the road, we can get into that sometime like on, on the podcast and, and kind of talk through that. But if we don't acknowledge the clearly demarcated biblical distinctions mm-hmm. and, and uniqueness of man and, and woman, you can't actually get to the gospel. Yeah, it is yeah. impossible, and unless you acknowledge God's design, if you don't acknowledge Genesis one, you can't get to the gospel. Yeah, if you don't acknowledge Genesis three, you certainly can't get to the mm-hmm. gospel. Yeah, right. right? Yeah. You have to acknowledge Genesis one. You have to acknowledge Genesis three and the fall and the effects of the fall on both males and females mm-hmm. in order to to get to a place where you talk about. The gospel, right? Because well, yeah, regardless it, of what you want to be, regardless of what you want uh, to be, even if somebody says, well, I don't identify as this, mm-hmm. I identify as this. There's only two identifying characters, yeah. characteristics in scripture. Mm-hmm. It is you are in the flesh mm-hmm. or you are in Christ. Mm-hmm. There is no yeah. other, there's no other identity, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, maybe uh, that's actually a good point because even... <laughs> 
Uh, I don't want to give the spoiler on the answer to the question, <laughs> what is a woman? But it comes at the very end. <laughs> and it's pretty simple. Yeah, it is pretty simple. Yeah. Um, but you know, the, the category of humanity, right. the category of maleness and females, the right. category, category of in Christ in the flesh. Yeah, right. These are all like these are these are foundational categories right. for, for us to think biblically. Correct. And when we think about uh, uh, if we don't think about it biblically, then we can't we can't get to the gospel if we don't think about the order that was established in the design Genesis right. one and two. Uh, if we don't even if we don't have the order in mind, how can we talk about the disorder? And I'm not talking about a psychological label. I'm talking about the disorder starting in Genesis three. Right. We have no we have no basis. The gospel has no inroads if we don't if we don't start there. So that's right. why yeah. we're hard, that's why we're kind of spending a little bit of time on maleness and femaleness because yeah. on this whole transgender topic, that matter. I mean, that matters. It does that matter. Is, that is I mean, the it, foundation it by which we're going to stand and now talk about. Here's the design, the designer first. Right. We stand before him in his design that ought to, con- and then I'll rely on the spirit of God to bring conviction because of the disorder that precipitated from Genesis 3. Right. Now we can talk, okay, how do we now deal with your real life feelings that you're having right now? How does that square with our reference point? Right, um, right. Yeah. And the, the most important, you know, the, the most important identity is... It's like you said, it's not like the male and femaleness go away because even yeah. even in eternity, there is no indication that we don't retain maleness and femaleness mm-hmm. in heaven. Right. There's none. Right. The only thing the only thing Jesus ever says, which is a response to a gotcha question. And I don't think that uh, Jesus response to a gotcha question is is meant to be a full orbed theology of what people are going to be like in heaven. Right. Yeah. Like yeah. Even, even when he talks about and the only thing he says is marriage. marriage he he mentioned sure. makes no mention of maleness and femaleness. And to your point, what you said earlier, like when it says, you know, in Christ, we are neither, you know, there's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, Mm -hmm. male nor female. That doesn't mean that those categories still don't exist in the reality of God's design. The the primary point that he's making there is that your primary identity, Mm -hmm. like the primary way in which you categorize yourself within the construct of God's design and him owning his whole creation is... You are either in your sin or you are in Christ. Mm-hmm. Your identity is either you have been held captive by the one who started this whole mess in the first place of saying, hey, did God really say that? Mm-hmm. You're either still in that captivity where you're still listening to that lie or you are in the freedom of having truth set you free to to live in a way that's glorifying to God in mm-hmm. relationship with him. Yeah. Those are the primary identities by which you will be identified as as in terms of how you look at the eternal life Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because what's at stake here is not just can you be comfortable here right if you're uncomfortable in your own body okay and this is this is a place that i want to go before we kind of get to the gospel the thing that never gets answered is even if you are uncomfortable in your own body you know if you're a woman you and and you decide to transition and you even if you get a phalloplasty and a phalloplasty is the the where they normally take like skin off the forearm Mm -hmm. of a woman and then they fashion it into a phallus, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. But it's not its not really a functional phallus. Mm-hmm. You still can't, you can't get anybody pregnant because you don't have sperm cells. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, there, it, it does not function in the way, in the same way you think it's going to. So even if you, you know, jump that hurdle for this life, mm-hmm. wh- like, what, what's next? Yeah. What's next? Like, what is, what is eternity to you? Mm-hmm. I mean, does it... Like it, th- and and that's why I think there's there's this deep longing to I, be identified in a way that's fulfilling. Mm-hmm. 
but that that leaning into the dysphoria will never get you there. Yeah. It will never it will never bring you the peace and the joy that you hope it will. It will never bring it because mm-hmm. the primary problem with the misidentification is not even really in the gender. The primary problem with the misidentification is you know something is wrong mm-hmm. and you can't put your finger on it. Yep. And yep. for some people that's a disordered sexual desire. For some people that's a disordered gender identity. And all the in all the and as you're describing this, the deep longing and deep sort of disorder in the heart is met with, I've got an answer for you. Right. And, and I love how Brandon, I mean, if, again, if you didn't hear the message, it is uh, extremely um, sort of eye-opening to hear about the false gospel then that's being preached. False prophets that say, or message bearers that say, I have the answer. Yeah, right. I, I have the Savior, and I have the means to get to the Savior, which right. is, you know, at the end game is you're, you're complete, you know, all these life-altering things. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, that's pretty eye-opening, and it's also very and it's also very appealing to somebody who's in you know, some deep, deep pain and deep anguish and, For sure. and going through these uh, this laboring over this thinking that I'm not, I'm not a guy or I'm not a girl. I'm actually yeah. the other. Right. Uh, and right. so to have have a, a culture and a, a very loud voice and a community of people that say, we'll take you in. There's mm-hmm. a, there's belonging. Here's sure. what you are. Identity. Like it's 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 just anti it's anti Christ in all things. Uh, it's a cheap gospel. It is, it's a yeah. cheap good news. It's mm-hmm. it's it pretends to say we will take you as you are, but it's not really we will take you as you are. It's we will take you as you want to be. Yep. Yeah. Whereas the the reality is, like, if you conform to the reality of saying, I'm a sinner, and, like, the call to Christ is not just like, hey, I'll take you. It, it is We kind of trick people in being like, hey, Jesus is like, I'll take you as you are. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, I will take you as a sinner, but I'm going to clean you up. Mm-hmm. I'm going to cleanse you. You, yeah. you know, such were some of you, but you've been washed. You have been cleansed. Mm-hmm. Like, you have been made new. And that's the, the, the hope in the gospel is is that you don't stay in the identity that's primarily associated with the curse mm-hmm. that you are given a new identity. Second Corinthians five seventeen is my favorite verse. If anyone is in Christ, yeah. he is he or she is a new creation. The old has passed away; the new has come. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like in and then this is going to sound cheesy, but as I was writing this thing down, I was like, you know, most people who think they need a, a gender reassignment surgery they need an identity reassignment. Mm. They need to be, they need the assignment of re, of identity that they need is not from one gender to another. The, yeah. the assignment of identity they need is from in their own sin and in seeking self to seeking Christ mm. and fulfillment in Christ. And unfortunately, like even as the church approaches these things far too little, do we lean into that aspect of it? Like mm. as we encounter anybody, it really needs to be like whatever you're struggling with. Yeah. I know that it sounds reductive, uh, but, the answer is Christ. I mean, the answer is you lean into an identity in Christ. You set aside the old. You set aside the things that are a result of the curse for new life, right? And that's the only that's the only way forward, mm-hmm. right? Um, yeah. th- the identity in Christ reshapes the way we see ourselves, and it reshapes our awkwardness and our insufficiencies. Yeah. Like all all of you think even back to teenagers. Do you remember how awkward it felt to be a teenager? Oh yeah. Yeah, I I, lo- I love the uh, Brandon mentioned this. Uh, Jordan Pierce, Peterson mentions he mentions the turbulence of the of the uh, adolescent years. Yeah, yeah. Call it like it's that turbul- hard. It's a great word to use, but right. it, you know, it's a no doubt, you know, two, three, whatever year 
where it just is it's just uh, extremely turbulent because right. of all the changes that are going on in the life of a young person yeah and yeah, nobody absolutely. nobody wants to be naked in front of other people mm-hmm. either physically or do they even do that anymore these days? <laughs> I like I, I, my, my boys, I, I think they in gym. I think they're all I optional refused, now. Showers. I refused. Like I would <laughs> just, I was like, I hope I get pee late in the day because I refused to take a shower. Yeah. I was like, oh, we had never. To. It was ever, just like ever. a hey, herd all the cattle in there. Nope. A bunch of awkwardness. I'm not for it. Throw, make them stand in line there, right. and has, you know, it's just really weird. It was such a weird middle school experience. It is, and yeah. but I mean, we all deal with that. Like all, all I think human I beings hated that. Deal with that. Out of all things in middle school. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was like that. the was that the was worst. almost at the top of yeah, the list. Yeah, it's absolutely it's absolutely it's almost like you know that. what we're talking about, uh because you didn't grow up in the nineteen hundreds. We're actually talking about mandatory group man- like mandatory showers. Showers the like gym. the the yeah. community shower in the gym, either in the high school or yeah, if you've man. had the displeasure of going to a YMCA and making the mistake of trying to shower <laughs> oh, once. Don't do it. Avoid it. Run away. Dude, I have to I do have to work the rest of this day, and so have <laughs> these images now reappear in my mind. It's horrible. Uh, but you know, in all seriousness, um, what we're what we're trying to say and what we're trying to get at here is, we're not trying to minimize. Like, if you're listening, or you're listening, it's, it's either for you or someone that you know that experiences um, that is experiencing you know dysphoria or an uncomfortability in your skin. Can I can I assure you? that every single person has an awkwardness internally, but it doesn't just have to do with like a, a gender identity. It has to do with the idea that we know something's wrong. Mm-hmm. Like the curse, we, we understand that something went wrong and it haunts us. So when we look at one another, we know we're naked and we're ashamed. Like we understand that there's something wrong. There's something, something happened here that I, I don't, I shouldn't see you like this. You shouldn't see me like this. I don't want to be seen mm-hmm. in, in my nakedness. I don't want to be seen as I am. And in fact, I'm not even sure I'm comfortable with who I am. Mm-hmm. All, all that is meant to prepare us both for the suffering that is incurred in uh, the disorder of creation, but it's also to prepare us for the Savior who came, mm-hmm. who was not disordered, mm-hmm. who yeah. was sinless, who took his sinless life, went to the cross, right? And, and Scripture says that, that we, have, we have a high priest who can sympathize with our weaknesses. Mm-hmm. It's not like he doesn't know what it feels like to, you know, and not, not to have a sinful insecurity, but to live among an insecure people. Mm-hmm. Jesus... Yeah. Jesus identifies with that. Like Jesus meets us in that awkwardness, but he says like, here's what I've done for you. All this, all the sin, all the shame, all the awkwardness that, that you feel as a result of the curse, I will take that. Right. And by faith in Christ, if you believe upon Christ for salvation, if you trust him to the degree where you turn over your, you know, your need to, to identify yourself to being identified with him, mm. that's when things come alive. That's when you finally get freedom mm. yeah. to, to see how you are now seen as being in Christ rather than in, in your sin or in your insufficiency. Yeah. And I think that's what gets missed. I think in our fear to address things that have to be addressed, we just almost can't get to the gospel. Because we we're forced in talking about these things the same way that the culture does, we're forced into conversations where we almost are we almost have to defend it by without like scripture, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we can't do that. Yeah, we yeah. can't be honest. We can't honestly approach any of these conversations of the sermons that we've just had to to try to approach any of these from a purely 
psychological or sociological perspective is not going to be helpful. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, it it has to be, it has to be approached with the gospel. Yeah. It has to be addressed by the gospel. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yes. Andrew Walker in his book, uh, one of the, I think the line that stuck with me the most is he says, we live in a Genesis three world with a Genesis one blueprint on their trajectory to a revelation 21 future. Mm. Yeah. And I, and I just love that. Like we live in a Genesis three world mm-hmm. and with all these things that we've talked about, like, um, the world that we are living in is a fallen world. And so we have to acknowledge that. Mm. However, we do have a blueprint of what things are supposed to look like. And we do have a promise that we're going to return to the place where things not only are what they were supposed to look like, but they're actually fully restored to what they were supposed yeah. to be. Yeah. But fully for, for eternally. Recreated. Right. Yeah. So I don't know, like I, you know, practically here, um, Steve, what would you if if you are having have a great experience like in um, in biblical counseling for anybody who's listening or either struggling themselves or know somebody who is what what would be your recommendation maybe for first steps towards um, like digging into uh, you know finding you know finding out questions what what might be some first steps for some people that are just looking for help they're like I don't even know where to start. Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah, um, yeah I, I, I probably would start in the same place that uh, we started the podcast mm-hmm. out, or in, in that area, with just uh, almost you know refamiliar familiarizing yourself with these fundamental tru- truths in Genesis one and two, mm-hmm. and you as you were quoting um, Andrew Walker there. Mm-hmm. The idea of uh, yeah, refamiliarize yourself with Genesis three, the disorder mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. that that had, but 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 the, but the order and the creation, the creation mandate and the order is still applicable. Yeah, we, right. we don't we don't say because Genesis three happened, Genesis one and two are now irrelevant. Right, you know, that is right. that is the design. That's still the blueprint, yeah. and it still is there and and relevant in our reference point. So just you know, a refamiliar familiarize yourself with that, um, especially the distinctions in male and female, mm-hmm. the male and femaleness, and the creation mandate to uh, to what is dominion, what is subdue look like. Right. Um, and then I would say with that again on the biblical side to a re um, maybe visit in how did Christ now fully in, in his in in the recreation and the redemption side mm-hmm. of things how has he started the restoration mm-hmm. of that so we mm-hmm. have the revelation piece right. but Christ did accomplish something right. you know there's a subduing of sin mm-hmm. and death that and 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 everything that Christ did subdue right. and he and he did and he did conquer that fully right. and so there is there is that's ultimately our gospel foundation. And so just immerse yourself in that so that when you start reading things like the books you mentioned, when you right. start listening to the podcast or the, the interview that I mentioned with Jordan Peterson mm-hmm. and Chloe, this young girl who detransitioned, or watch Matt Walsh's What is a Woman, when you start looking and you you get overwhelmed with the vastness and the the depth and breadth of these topics mm-hmm. i mean because there's just so much and it's coming really fast that you are standing on something solid so you don't feel like a boat out in the middle right. of the ocean that's getting blown to yeah, and fro so point. you really have to 
and, and however we can help you with that, you know, yeah. you know, talk to us directly, send us email, whatever, yeah, contact sure. us. We'd love to point you to some things that would help you to reestablish what you're standing on so you can think rightly about what you're hearing, what you're seeing, even what you're feeling yourself. Yeah. Um, so that's number one. And number two, you really, um, I, I, I just can't imagine having these, not having these conversations outside of community and not, yeah. not a, uh, not a, uh, not a, an echo chamber, so to speak, or a thing, or, or some of the groups, like some of the groups, like what you mentioned, like your, uh, maybe friend groups and social media, but right. go to people, trusted people, um, who are going to help speak true the truth into you and to get you really to, to help you to develop how to think through this right um so don't do it alone right uh um don't uh don't go about it alone is the second thing um yeah i think those are the two big and, ju- and just start somewhere yeah you know because yeah. i uh honestly i've tried to i have tried to stay away from having a general awareness of things <laughs> but i've tried to stay away from the tidal wave just because yeah. i'm like i have no idea how i'm gonna have time to read all these books and things <laughs> you won't this but I, I, I won't but but i what uh, i've done is i've started somewhere yeah uh there's been a specific topic that's come up in the life of somebody i know or whatever and i i've said i'm gonna start there yeah. uh now you can definitely start on the biblical side the very yeah. familiarizing but in order to step in and start thinking about these topics you don't have to solve world hunger here right uh, just pick something right. and uh, and start reading on it right. and keep standing on the biblical truths we talked about uh, and start to think through it. It's really, it's very edifying and sure. it's very, um, it's very helpful for your own growth, not to become an expert. I'm not an expert in these areas. I haven't read most of these books. My yeah. wife has read them all. I just get that to hear, surprise me. I get to hear the, shout cliff, out to Stacy. I, yeah, I get to hear the cliff's notes uh, from her and, and, and I say, well, what should I know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, my bent in life is <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to deal with what's in front of me. Uh, and, and I, so I've had real people with questions yeah, and yeah. ideas and thoughts and I like, that's my workshop. I um, think that's a really good point Yeah, be- because one of the distinctions that we need to make, like, in, and th- th- we have moved into like a, a bigger area of Christian intellectualism where there used to be like, now everybody in Christianity wants to be somewhat of an intellectual. We mm. all want to know, we all have opinions. Part of that is fed into by social media. Mm. So it's bad for people with really good theology too, because then it sort of makes us the experts on everything. And now you've yeah. got 4 million experts on Instagram ready to mm-hmm. tell you exactly what this passage of scripture says yeah. and what you should do. However, the thing that you said I think is really important. Some of you may be like, yeah, I'm never going to read those books. Like we'll recommend the books and you're like, I don't think I'm going to get around to it. But here's what you need to know. Every single scenario that we've talked about in these podcasts for the last, you know, six weeks or whatever, um, every single scenario, you, you, this has the same direct application. Mm-hmm. You yeah. meet someone, you listen to their story. As you engage with them, there will be probably pain points that come up, especially if there's someone who does not know Christ. Yeah. In those moments, you listen well, and then you find a way to make an inroad to the gospel. Right. And it's the same approach. You need to stop looking at your identity as primarily X. You need to see yourself as a sinner in need of saving, mm-hmm. and you need to see Jesus as a savior uh, who extends his grace to, to everyone who calls on yeah, him. Yeah. It, it's always a direct line to the gospel. Yeah, and I yeah. know that sounds reductionistic, but if you're worried, hey, I'm not going to know all this stuff, you really don't have to. You don't have to get into a debate with someone mm-hmm. on like, well, Abigail Schreier said this, and this study says this. All you need to know is, 
God created everything and said it was good. Mm-hmm. We screwed it up like we were influenced by, by Satan. Adam and Eve were influenced by the enemy that is still at work. Mm-hmm. Like we were thrown into disorder and disarray. God, in, in the fullness of time, God sent his son, Christ Jesus, to, to live a perfect life, mm-hmm. to accomplish all the things that we should have, yeah. and then to give that perfect life for our sinfulness. All who believe, right, if you believe in your heart that Jesus uh, Christ uh, rose from the dead and, and you confess with your mouth that he is the son of God, you shall be saved and yeah. you shall never be ashamed. If God save you, shall never be ashamed. If you want to know how to, to really live, whatever problem you have, yeah. the answer sounds reductionistic. The answer to any of your problems of the disorder of, of the fall is always find your identity in Christ. Yeah. Right. So I think that's, that can be really helpful. If you're Mm -hmm. listening to this and you're like, I don't know what I'm going to do with this information. (laughs) Yeah. You, you distill it into how can I, how can I tell people the gospel? Mm -hmm. The gospel will save them. Your arguments about like the, the distinctions of trans transgenderism and where it came from, that won't bring salvation. Mm Mm-hmm. It's only the gospel of Christ. Yeah. And, so I and, think that's and, a good point. Yeah, I and I really also don't point. want to minimize the information too. Right, I, sure. I, I think I've been heavily influenced by Paul Tripp, who when referring to his own writings would say, I've only ever written one book. <laughs> but right. but what he does well is he, the he then give, give him the topic and then he contextualizes it. Correct. And, and, and so I've taken that into just daily living and plus having... You know, you know too, having you know, having four kids and just a life that and and uh, and all kinds of you know ministry activity. Um, I just I just hadn't carved out time, you know, to 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 dive deeply into. But what I do enjoy doing is this: um, when somebody comes to me and talks about same sex attraction, that's my inroads to say I need to learn something about this. Mm, yes, and and a right. lot of my learning comes from asking them a billion questions <laughs> because their their experience of it may not be like what I read over here or right. what I hear over here. Yes. So I'm, I'm not, interested. Not every written experience is normative. Exactly. Right. So I just say, who's in front of me? Paint me a picture of what your world is yeah. like. Be a student of that person. Yeah. Yeah. And God will show you. I He will show you what is my inroads to speak my truth into that yeah. in a way that's compassion, compassionate, yeah. in a way that's gracious, in a way that's truthful. And, I think that's and, good, man. And so, uh, you know, I think that would be the appeal. You know, if you're looking for a next step, some of you, maybe a next step, which a, a, a leader, a, a student leader told me last night, said, uh, I just told my guys, go find a gay friend. Now, <laughs> I thought that was pretty cool. That actually kind of helped me um, because I would like, and this is kind of a general ask, I'd like to, I would like to have a conversation with somebody in our congregation, or it doesn't matter, it doesn't have yeah, to be. Yeah. But I'd like to talk to somebody right now who's, who's dealing with same-sex attraction. I want to talk mm-hmm. to somebody who right now is dealing with gender dysphoria. Sure. I have never talked, uh, it's been a while on same-sex attraction. I've never talked to somebody that's had gender dysphoria. Yeah, I would just like to, to hear what I, their experience I is. I would, I'd like mm-hmm. to, and, and I'm not, I don't have an agenda to <laughs> conversion therapy. That's not my point. <laughs> my point is, is I want to hear from you so I can learn from you. Right. And maybe I have something um, that would be helpful for you as well. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I, it's a genuine ask. Yeah. And uh, I think we would learn best as people to actually meet people who are in these places of struggle. Mm-hmm. And, uh, or even somebody who's all in in that, even if, yeah. if, Lord willing, we can meet folks and we can see that they are, we have to be brought to a place back to Genesis 1 where these are image bearers. Mm-hmm. And when you meet people and you talk with a real person, when you start there in Genesis 2, they are an image bearer. It is so much different to have a conversation now mm. to tell me about the Genesis 3 situation that you're living right now. Yeah. What's the reality of that? Yeah. So that um, 
so that you can hear about there's there is another answer here right. to for you to consider not right. uh, but and that and that is Christ it, it, there is another answer to the cultural voice that says you got to go this way and right. so I'm just I'm just an av- huge advocate of trying to be with people who are actually dealing with this mm. so that you you get an appreciation for the image bearer in them yeah and then all the more uh fuel for you to uh yeah to 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 reach them for for the sake of christ yeah yeah um so i you know those are some some maybe some exhortations on where do i go next uh just the idea of the biblical foundation reestablishing that the idea of start somewhere and the idea of just be with people who who are it could be a parent too who maybe not directly them but indirectly a parent who has a child who is struggling Mm. you know or another family member or close friend, just mm-hmm. get yourself around somebody who's closer connected maybe than you are to this right. if you're not right. already. You know? I think that's good. I think that's wise advice. And, and remembering that in all these things, like as Christians, we, we don't want to fall into the trap of just making these issues, mm-hmm. that they are issues, but the issues that we encounter ultimately are, our mission as Christians is not to to um, just address issues. Mm-hmm. Our mission is to make disciples. Yeah, that's right. and if if we are spending the most of our time just trying to argue either policy or perspective, we're not really we're we're actually being hindered. And, and one of the ways that the enemy might be keeping us distracted is by focusing on just talking about the issues rather than making disciples. Mm-hmm. So I, I do think, you know, what Steve just said is a very, very important point in distinction. If, if at any point in these conversations that we're having or in the knowledge that you're seeking, if at any point it's more just about, you know, owning people or just feeling good about the fact that you're on the, you know, the right side of the, the, the biblically right side of the argument, remember that these are people who currently, if they're staying in their sin are headed to hell mm-hmm. and we don't want that. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we want, you know, Spurgeon would said, uh, you know, God is the one who saves, but we would have those people, you know, if they're going to go to hell, they're going to go with our arms around their legs, like mm-hmm. pleading for them. And that's, our hearts always need to return to, if the gospel has impacted us, we know how greatly we've been saved and we should desire that for other people. So in this conversation, it's not just a, a, an ideology. It's an ideology that's driving um, people away from the gospel. Mm-hmm. And so we need to do that all we can can to like, you know, hold those ideas captive yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. make them, make them obedient to Christ. So, um, so as you think about these things and even from this podcast on, um, have your heart open to understanding the image of God in all people and be ready to share the gospel. If you're not ready to share the gospel, that's your first priority. Mm-hmm. Learn it, internalize it, learn how to learn how to speak it to other people and, and apply it to other people. Yeah. And, um, and trust that when the Lord puts you in a position to have these conversations, the Holy Spirit's going to give you the words to say. Yeah, that's so, right. Yeah. Well, again, if you uh, just the, if you're interested in reading the books, maybe listening to the books, the the two that that uh, I referenced directly would be um, "Irreversible Damage" by Abigail Schreier. Warning is this is not a Christian book; it's a secular book, but it does have some really infor- uh, helpful information. Um, "God and the Transgender Debate" by Andrew Walker. Um, we would also probably both recommend um, uh, the the video, um, What is a Woman? I think it's it's helpful from a cultural standpoint. Um, but in all, again, just to reiterate, um, 
Bible first. Bible always Bible first. Yeah. Um, get your get your primary info there, and then uh, let that inform everything else that we're reading or listening to. So, mm-hmm. thanks for joining us uh, this week. Thanks, Steve. Yeah, for, thank you, for man. Flying so that with me. It's great. Um, Duo. And uh, we'll be jumping back into the Book of John um, this weekend. Josh is going to start start us back in Josh chapter uh, Josh chapter six. <laughs> <laughs> That's John <laughs> chapter six. Uh, I hope Way to go, Josh. Uh, Josh, chapter six. That's great, actually. <laughs> but um, if you're if you're around Cedar Rapids, we'd love for you to join us. Uh, if you don't have a church home, um, and you can also catch us on YouTube as well. If you want to see any of these sermons that uh, that Brandon has preached in the last uh, six weeks, so uh, again, thanks for joining us and uh, keep uh, keep the gospel front and center. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks. <laughs>